Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. We are so glad to have you listening today and we have quite a treat for you because I'm not joined by one or two, but three, count them, three guests on today's podcast. Jeremy Carroll. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Chuck. How's it going? I'm doing great. Delany Williams. Hi, Delany. Hello, Chuck. Trainer extraordinaire. And Clista Stortz. Hello, Chuck. I just like to say Clista Stortz. Stortz. It's good to have you from our Vacation Bible School yeah, team. Yeah, it's good to be here. Jeremy's from our Kids Discipleship team. And so we have a, a, a wide uh, range of areas of the coverage that y'all are responsible for. But what you all have in common is your experience as church staffers. So really quickly, I want to have each of you just tell me, not about your role now, but about a, a role that you held at a church, where you were, what your title was. And of that role... Tell me something like, I don't know, what was a pet peeve you had about your office? Jeremy, lead us off. Well, let's see. I have served in uh, multiple areas uh, on church staff. Um, In fact, I am currently even a volunteer director of children's ministry at my church, in-room director at my church. And so uh, I've only been, I've been paid Children's director, children's pastor. I've also been a volunteer uh, children's director. Tell us, right before you came yeah. to take your the current role, that you had, mm-hmm. or before you came to Lifeway Kids, let's yeah. say it that way, where were you and what was your role? Uh, I was a uh, children's pastor down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and um, oversaw birth through fifth grade in that ministry. Excellent. And tell me a pet peeve about your office. Pet peeve about my office. People kept trying to clean it. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I, this bothered you because you like to live in squalor. I couldn't find that... things. No, I had a, uh, I had an associate that worked uh, with me, and uh, she was extremely organized. And um, things, you know, if you if you're in kids ministry, you know, certain times of the year, fall festival, vacation Bible school, certain things just kind of pop up. These little stacks just happen around sure. your office. You just can't get away from it. Uh, but she just kept trying to clean it all the time, and I was very grateful for her work, but. Uh, it made it very difficult for me to function whenever I couldn't find the things that I was looking for. So I'm going with squalor, guys. He's, <laughs> now, do you have right now at your desk now, you don't have a whole office, but you have a workspace. Workspace. In yes. your workspace, are you really well organized or do you have your little piles of stuff? I don't deal with as many physical things, so I'd, it's it's fairly well organized. So but, maybe she rubbed off on you. But there's a little stack back in the corner of my desk that uh, is kind of a catch-all pile of things there in the back. How about your closet at home? Is your closet really organized, or do you have, like, socks everywhere? No, closet's fairly organized. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah it's right, fairly okay. organized. Well, Jeremy, thank you for sharing <laughs> so openly with us. I appreciate that. Delany, tell us your story. Tell us about your church staff experience. Okay, so I served at um, a few different churches on kids' ministry staff. Most recently, before coming to Lifeway, I served as a preschool minister for a little over 10 years in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Nice. And you had an office space there, I presume. I did. And tell me a little bit of a pet peeve about that space. Okay, well, first of all, I will say it was a very nice office that had lots of bookshelves so you could put all the books needed um we're we're organized very nicely as far as i was near other staff members but i appreciated my desk but it was huge and it was l-shaped oh yeah and so the way that the desk sat in the room 
it was really hard to walk around. And so the telephone cord that would be there that you try to camouflage, I would trip over it oh, constantly. Yeah. So thankfully, I never fully fell, but, you know, did trip. So that was my pet peeve. So the massive desk. Yes. Was, although it... And again, I know that we are all grateful for our spaces. I want to be careful not to set you guys up to be negative in any way, because you're also very positive, right. honestly. Right. But, you know, there's always those little things, like, you know, your desk trying to kill you. Right. And it <laughs> looked like a big spaceship, but that's <laughs> where spaceship. you could hide things, Jeremy. Like Jeremy said, maybe you could hide things oh, underneath so maybe it. you could tuck so, your messes under the desk. Right. Jeremy, no make a note. Bigger desk. Oh, no. Pile's loud and proud, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And Clista, tell us about you. Um... Like Delany and Jeremy, I've served in several different places, but my last full-time ministry job was as director of preschool ministries from, from a church in Ingle, uh, well, from Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Right on. Yeah. And you had a workspace there, I presume? I, I did have a workspace, and it was, as you know, they said, nice. I was very grateful to have it. Appreciative, of course. But... Um, the only thing I can really think of was that it had cinder block walls, and my door, which normally stayed open, was a solid door as opposed to having one with a window in it. Right. And so I kept it open mo most of the time. However, occasionally my assistant would come and shut me in so that I would, like, work and not continue to talk to everybody so on talk the to outside. other people? So they, okay. Yeah, you know, and... There I was. They, they would keep. I wasn't locking them out. They were locking me in. And so, did you feel like you were like isolated? A little bit. In like in yes. uh, solitary confinement yes. in your space. And I don't. Do, I'm. That's not me. <sighs> that's not me. You are a very social. Yeah. Person. I yes. am. Well, a socially introverted person. Thank you for sharing that. Every yes. one of us has like our stories, right? So I know right. our listeners are primarily people who are practitioners of ministry, who are working in their spaces. Maybe even as they listen, they're sitting at their gigantic desk with their piles <laughs> and their door closed in isolation. Yeah. In <laughs> so isolation. It's very relatable. So thank you for sharing that. Um, today, we are going to talk about something that is, it's, and the reason that I want everyone to know about your staff experience is because our subject today is really uh, um, something that we all can relate to, anyone who's been in the role as the leader in your space, and that is recruitment. Recruitment, it's one of those things that we all have to do that some people, I guess, enjoy. Many of us struggle with how do we do this well, and, and even the, the stresses of having to replace someone or having to approach someone can make us really uncomfortable. And yet it's really an, an important part of the job yeah. because we have to have strong teams around us, right? right? And so we have put together this little panel with the three of you. And so I want to throw some questions out and let the three of you kick them around and give us some insights and some advice on what we can do, what you've done that works well, and what we can do, uh, to, or maybe even to learn from your mistakes if things <laughs> didn't work well. You if go. you trip over a cord while you're trying to recruit someone and uh, fall over a giant pile, Jeremy, <laughs> then uh, maybe that's a bad thing. But so let's talk about this. So as we look to recruit people, what kind of characteristics should we look for in people? Uh, as opposed to, you know, just... Uh, Breathing. Uh, yeah, just br like you know. the minimum qualification right, is right. that you must be living <laughs> uh, and able to communicate with words, hopefully. Yep. But no, what it, what is it? Where should we set our sights? Um, maybe we have our our um, our aspirations are too low. Our expectations are too low. What What is it you look for? What makes a good volunteer for your kid's space? Hmm. Uh, I would say first and foremost, a growing... Christian who's active in the church. Um, 
who has a passion for kids. You know, I guess that would be my first. Yeah, yeah I would always sub in the in, in my big VBS promos. I would always love God, love kids, and love to teach the Bible. Those were my three big ones that I would. If you if you're those three things, any combination of those three things, I can probably find you a place to serve at Vacation Bible School. So those are were kind of my, I would say, the lowest common denominator. I always look for those as, as a baseline. Uh, for me, a big one was always um, teachability. If somebody comes in and says, I just, uh, you know, I, I, if they come in know-it-all, that kind of thing, it, that's difficult to work with. Uh, it's difficult to, 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 to guide in your policies and your processes and security and safety and room management, whatever the case may be. But if they come in and they just, they, they love kids and they, they have a growing walk with Christ, but they're teachable and they, they, they want to learn. They want to be part of the team. Uh, so team player teachable, that, that kind of thing is always, was always a big one for me. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with both of what Clista and um, Jeremy said and how you said just about being teachable and trainable. I think that's so important, but I think sometimes we also, when we're looking for volunteers, we need to make sure that we can think maybe it may be someone that we haven't thought about before that is teachable and trainable, but they're just waiting for someone to ask them as well. So let's, okay, let's back up for a moment right there. We kind of went quickly to, we are, as the leader, seeking out people as an assumption, right? right? I think a lot of times, a lot of our church leaders are not so much, have a list of characteristics and qualities that they're looking for in a person that they know their reputation and like, yes, you look, you match the description I'm looking for. A lot of us kind of are living, Clista, back with the, Look, we need anybody yeah, who can be right. in the room. The days where you get the church directory and you flip through the pages. And so you're like, how, I haven't talked to her lately. How do we make the move from <laughs> moving from uh, from desperate need for anyone yeah. to being selective about who we choose and what types of people we choose? How do you make that transition? I think the first I think, step is, is really just that acknowledgement, right? We're looking for people, not looking to fill holes. So it's just, it's a, for me, that's a mental picture. Am I, am I looking? There's a hole here. And I need to put something in the hole, somebody in the hole, that space. Or am I looking at the people, the relationships around me and going, Man, I'm always on the lookout for really good people, really good fits for our ministry team. And so I think the first step is just acknowledging that, hey, I got to change the way I think about it. Yes. Um, and then we can move on to the next the next ways of, of, of doing that. Close, yeah. I interrupted you. Oh, no, 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 no. Because no. um, it kind of goes hand in hand with what you just said. I think you... So many times I, I think we go in as managers instead of ministers. Mm. And if mm-hmm. you're trying to manage, you're basically just trying to fill that spot. But if you go in with a vision of what you want the kids in ministry in your area to look like, what you want the kids to look like as they grow, then you think, okay, how do I get this vision to happen? Oh, I go look for the right people, not just a person to fill this spot. And so that kind of backs up even a step further. Now we got to have philosophy. We have to have vision. Yes. Before we can even start looking to how do the people fit into this vision? What kind of people fit into this philosophy and vision? So we have to even take a step further back. So just changing our mind, but actually being intentional about what is the, what is the goal? What's the success of our ministry look like? What are we shooting at? So that we can even start to do that. Think that way. And to add on that, we need to know it. We need to understand it, but we need to be able to communicate what our vision is and our philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes even more time for us to be able to communicate it to where people understand it and they want to be part 
of that vision. If we're constantly communicating it in creative ways and reminding them what the vision is and the importance and the blessing of it, then people that already serve with us even believe that more. And then other people in the church will also come to believe it. Yeah, you find once that happens that the people who are already on your team start looking for people like them to come alongside. And the other part of that whole vision and your philosophy I think getting even that across to your senior pastor and your maybe your men, your minister of education pastor or, or your whole staff, if they realize, hey, you have more of a vision that I'm I'm not down there just keeping the kids until you guys all get through with your things. We've got something going on, and if you can get that passion across to the rest of your staff, I think that's they're going to help you. I like to say most of us know pretty quickly and clearly where we do ministry, when we do ministry, what we're doing for ministry, but we don't all have the ability to articulate a clear and compelling why. Right. Why are we doing what we're doing? This isn't childcare. There's real ministry happening here. And then when we recruit with vision instead of need, we get people who serve out of passion rather than out of obligation. And it really changes everything, especially for retaining people. Right. Love that. What are some things that you, you guys have found that are uh, the, uh, strategies that you've used that are effective ways to enlist people? What well, works? I think the one-on-one ask is always the best. In person, asking someone to even pray about considering, mm-hmm. you know, volunteering. One time there was someone at the, at the end of Vacation Bible School, I'd been watching this man that had been volunteering um, took vacation work. Um, vacation that week vacation at work to volunteer VBS and so towards the end of VBS I said I would love for you to pray about you know teaching on Sunday mornings and he said no and I was like wait where are you not (laughs) going to pray that was a quick answer (laughs) but but the thing was is he said I'd already been praying about it and the Lord used this week to help confirm that this is what I need to be doing on on Sunday mornings and so just you know asking people to pray about it, but then remembering that enlistment recruitment is a year-long process, meaning that you should constantly be looking uh, for people who can join in your ministry to serve. Yeah, yeah, right. Don't don't wait until like May or June to say, okay, I really need to fill fill these spots. As we spoke earlier. Um, for September, oh my goodness, I've got this short time. Right now, you're panicked but, and everything's right. urgent, and so now you're you have doing to lower it your all, standards. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you're you're looking all the time. Um, other ways to do that is to bring people alongside really good teachers that you already have in place, and whether or not you just say, "Hey, can you help in this room? We have a, a big activity this week. Would you would you come alongside and just help us this?" You know, during this special activity, during the special week, you know, VBS, I'm a little bit biased on that on that spot. But it's a great way for them to actually see what you're doing and see the importance of what you're doing. And they're like, oh, wow, you guys really have some great things going down here. I want to be a part of it. So that's kind of a rather brilliant strategy, right, to get yes. to try someone out right. where they can try it and you can try yeah, them yeah, and with exactly. a short-term commitment that's mm-hmm. not really a big year-long ask. So right. that's really good. You can try them out and they can try you out. And then like Delany did, you can ask at the end and they're like, I'm already in, hey, which yeah. is pretty cool. Right. Good. What else works? Uh, I think, Calissa uh, uh, mentioned it earlier, I think, um, empowering your leaders to recruit leaders, which is kind of similar to exactly what we just said, but but even beyond that, cha- you know, challenging them to do that, um, 
putting out that that it's even an expectation. Hey, I, we need to build this team, and we're we have we're leading with the why. We're we, we're casting the vision, and the people who are on your team probably have already caught that vision. Most of them, and if they have, then just challenging them, say, hey. How about you have? Could you have anybody on your mind? Can, is there anybody we can be praying about? Can you give me a name that I can be praying about? Mm-hmm. So just releasing them to 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 know that hey, there 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 are needs here, and um, so leaders recruiting leaders tends to be um, sometimes they just don't feel like they can. Well, I thought that was your job. What I thought. I, I love about that, Jeremy, is that you basically you're giving them ownership into the ministry right. and, and buy-in. And yeah. so then it's like their ministry as well as, yeah. you know, you you helping to Which lead it. Which is how you want them to and feel. And that's what you right. want. Yeah, so I, I love how that goes. You also um, increase your pool of volunteers, if you think of it that way, or people that you know when you're asking your own volunteers to recruit people or think of ideas. They know someone that maybe you don't know right. as well. And, and two, I think people are more likely to join in serving with their friend, someone that they know, rather than serving with someone they don't know, because that can be awkward for some people to say, well, I don't know this person as well. You know, I don't know if, how we would um, work together teaching. So it, it's better. They're more likely to say yes if they teach with a friend. I think, I think there's something to recruiting from a place of passion. It, it, like, so... I've, a lot of times, I mean, even in the things that I've tried to recruit for folks for church for different things, you, you, often you feel apologetic in approaching right. them. I'm sorry, I hate to even ask, but, and that just that posture is so different than I am so excited about what's going on in the kids' space, right. and I you you need to be a part of this. And when our volunteers are passionate about the vision and about the mission and about what we're doing, they can recruit in a way that we never could as a leader, not like a manager, but right. they recruit as someone who's truly invested and bought in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think, obviously, you pray that they trust you as a leader, but they've already got that trust in their friend to, to not lead them astray. And so yeah. that just gives that extra credibility to the whole situation. You're not... I don't might not know you as well as my leader just yet, but I've known my friend for a while. And so if they're saying this and you're saying this, I think it just adds that extra layer of credibility and ownership and all the above. And often it goes without saying, this kind of goes to the last, actually the last two things we talked about, but um, I found one of the most posture changing things in my heart was praying Um, because how do I get, how how could I go from looking to fill a hole to looking for people? Well, I need to be praying about it. If I'm praying, oh God, fill the hole, or I'm saying, God, bring me the right people for my team. Yeah, that changes my posture about it. If I am recruiting from an attitude of having spent m- much time in prayer, sometimes specific people, God, this person see if they'd be a good fit. Open that door, help help prepare their heart for for the ask. Um, but it is a spiritual work we're doing, and too often it goes without saying that we need to lay the spiritual groundwork on our knees and, and, and on our face before God first yeah. and, and not neglect that power. And so I think those those things, um, that's not the mechanics of recruiting, but uh, I know that's the thing that has probably made the most impact on changing my posture and how I ask yeah. and how I seek people out is making sure that I'm praying through the process and not forgetting that part. Definitely. 
Tell us about some things that you've learned from doing this. Maybe there's some lessons we can learn from things that didn't go so well. What are some things that you have learned uh, as, from, um, from the process of enlisting volunteers? Well, I would say part of that is that one-on-one ask and doing it throughout the year, finding those new volunteers. Um, but the importance of training the volunteers mm and building that sense of community and truly caring about them as a person and building that relationship. What I found, um, just what Calista was talking about as we are ministers and we're ministering to people, um, that once we remember that and that our teachers are people that we minister to as well, then they want to continue teaching year after year. And so then they, they continue to teach, so that means that's fewer number of teachers you're having to enlist every year as well. And so making sure that we do what we can to help keep them happy, but also grow them as um, in their in their ability to teach and reach minister. Yeah, so you talked about training and equipping them. Let's go there for a moment. What have you guys learned about the importance of training? I think it's one of the most important things that you can do for teacher retention, which I think is what Delany was kind of alluding to um, that that if my teachers know what I want and they feel confident in what they're doing and they understand what they're doing so many times I think we get some of our teachers and it's probably happens more so when we're just feeling filling those spots yeah. as opposed to people who have a passion for it but um, getting them to understand why we're doing what we're doing so if I can train them in, in what, how to use those resources that we've got, um, policies, procedures, then they're not just feeling like they're out there alone, then that keeps them, uh, communication is, is huge. And so that, that keeps them up to date. It helps prevent burnout, all of mm. those kinds of things if, if they feel equipped. And so one of the other things Delany that, that Delany mentioned was connecting them in community Jeremy, what, what about the value, the importance of not having them just come to serve, but actually joining a team? Yeah, I think all of those are, and despite our, actually I would say evident by our, the technological resurgence, and we're all spending so much time, it, that, is, that is an evidence of the fact that we are all relational people. We're just trying to find relationships in ways that maybe we don't know how to anymore. And so I think that's part of, I think this is, exegetically appropriate i think as part of the image of god that we're created in and we are relational beings and we like to be around people and and we're created for a relationship ultimately with god but but we see that from the old testament the, the congregation the people of israel we see that in the new testament with with um, the body of christ that we are god has designed us to be in community and he designed us to be around each other and so um, helping volunteers find especially active volunteers find that sense of community can be very difficult depending on your church structure um, and a couple of things that that I have found that I've learned from others also is is two big ways and that, that I've seen one is establishing a real sense of community among your volunteers whether that's a uh, Sunday morning huddle or Wednesday night huddle or something where you can remind them that hey there's a this sense that we're this this team that we're on is a community we're in this together we're, we're yeah. A, yeah. this, this is, is our your adult yeah, yeah, this is our small right. group. This is where we adult together right yeah. here. In this, you find identity in, in that group. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think there's great value in that uh, because it not only does it help build your team, 
um, just strategically, but it helps build it relationally as well. And the other thing is that I have just always been a fan of it. If you can do it and if your church structure allows for it is to um, uh, go out to some adult groups and ask them to adopt in a, a particular leader. I had a leader uh, in one church who had been teaching um, three-year-old Sunday school in the same room, the same three-year-old class as different classes move through, obviously, for 30 years. Oh, wow. she, had, she had been in an adult class in 30 years. Yeah. And so to reach out to a Sunday school class that was in her age demographic and whatever, say, hey, would you just adopt her? Would you love on her? Would you keep her in communication? Make sure anytime you do anything social, she's included, she's included. Yeah. Christmas parties, whatever it is, make sure you do that. And, of course, that, that leader's got to buy into it, really has to own that. And, and so that can be difficult to find. But when they do... Uh, it really helps develop further and deeper commu community on your team. So one of the things we have to be wary of, which is kind of what we're alluding to here, is not uh, when people serve in kid space, ourselves included, it's so easy to be disconnected from fellowship oh, with other adults. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be guardians of our, of our volunteers mm -hmm. so that we're not recruiting people out of the church, but that we're recruiting people and that we're keeping them in, yeah. bringing them even into a better, tighter community. I've had to send a volunteer who would volunteer every single time we had any kind of preschool classes. I had to tell her, you may not volunteer on Sunday evenings you need to go to worship yeah. on Sunday evening. Somebody else will step in and do that. And so, yeah, we have to take care. You're going to burn them out if not, or they will burn themselves out, or they isolate themselves, and then they they themselves become stale because they're not a growing Christian if if they're not surrounding themselves with, with the Word. Okay, so you guys have all been leaders in ministry uh, on staff at different churches, and you've all recruited people to volunteer, but you also have all been volunteers and currently are yes. volunteering. Yes. So here's a little bit of a loaded question. Ready? So as a volunteer at your church, if you could tell your kids leader anything, now maybe this isn't the one that you're serving in. This is a hypothetical, right? If you put yourself in the place of a volunteer, what is it that you would say to a leader out there? If you're the volunteer who, who maybe doesn't have a voice to tell them something, what do you know as a volunteer that church leaders need to hear from you? I've been very blessed this past year. I've had a lot of family illness um, with family that lives in a, a state pretty far away. And I'm very thankful to have a children's minister who understood that. But I think sometimes we um, forget that they have families and lives outside of what they can do for the church. And um, I think sometimes our volunteers need to let us know, you know what, I'm going to have to tell you no right now, and it's it's not no forever. It's just, just not now um, because I've got a lot of stuff going on in my life. And so I would encourage volunteers to feel free to say, my schedule is crazy right now. Um, can I step back? And then for you as a leader to be willing to do that. And I'm just going to – one really quick thing. I do remember when I was on church staff and someone would tell me they were expecting a baby, and they were so excited, and I was so excited for her. <laughs> but but in you the also have that my, moment, yes, right, where you're like – Yes, in the back of my mind, oh, I'm like, no, okay, in nine months, I've got her. to have another teacher. So, right. you know, it's just be, 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 being very aware of an outside life that you're, that volunteers have. And so part of that is we need to be ministers to our teams. Absolutely. Not just Absolutely. Teams. Okay, what else would you wish you could say? I would add on to what Chris is saying about being ministers to your team. I'm blessed where I serve 
as well at the church where I am. I teach kindergarten Sunday school. And my preschool minister um, sends me notes that she's praying for me. She'll text me and understands my schedule with work and with having family out of state that, hey, if you need to be gone this Sunday, we understand that we're, we're supporting you and, and what you're doing, but then also appreciating your volunteers too. And so whenever she sees me on Sunday or whenever I'm there, she um, or if it's Wednesday night to go, you know, set up something in our room, just appreciating and genuinely asking me how I'm doing and how she can pray for me. And then I think just even supporting us for what we need in our classroom is real appreciated to, you know, hey, do you have everything you need? Do you need some new Bibles? Do you need another chair? You know, I mean, just like an adult size or take a chair out. That's what we had um, this last week. We had some toys that we needed to take out of our room. And so she said, we'll get that taken care for taking care for you for next Sunday. But I think probably the biggest thing would be communication also. Just communicating that vision, communicating what we're doing is important, and even helping communicate um, the vision that the church has and how that relates to us as, as kids' ministry leaders. Jeremy, what yeah. is it you would say? I would say it's just a slightly different direction. I would say... Um, set me clear expectations. You need to let me know what exactly is expected of me. Maybe that's a job description. Maybe it's something uh, formal, but um, don't make me wonder if I'm hitting the mark or not. Because even as a volunteer, we want to know whether or not we're doing a good job. Sure, and, and, and then that nature is to feel like you're not. Right, yeah. We, we're all, we're, oh, that was terrible. I, I, didn't, I didn't prepare as well as I needed to, or I, I, whatever the case is. I have to miss too much, whatever the case is. And so... Um, when we as kids ministry leaders can, on the front end, set clear expectations about what is expected week to week, what is expected in terms of, okay, this is a 12-month commitment or a nine-month commitment or whatever, um, it's a, set expectations that it's okay if you have to miss. We understand life comes up. It's a guilt-free zone. I get it. And so if being able to just set clear expectations will eliminate a lot of the um, psychological distress that some of our volunteers come into yes. um, and then they just operate in on, on, a, on a given Sunday. And that's great advice. I'm a huge fan of setting and clarifying expectations. If you listeners, if you don't know what's expected of you in your job, ask the question, hey, I need to clarify the expectation about whatever it is, but we also need to set expectations for the people that we lead. Yeah. And it can be easy for us to, to fail to communicate well, Quista, right. on either one of those uh, sides of the, of the relationship. Well, thank you guys, Jeremy, Clista, Delany. We so appreciate you being here. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be Glad here. To be. And listeners, thank you for listening. I hope that this information is useful to you. We want everything that we talk about on the podcast to be practical, applicable, and actionable. So you can take these things and put them into practices you serve God in your context this week. We want to thank you for listening to the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. The Kids Ministry 101 podcast is an extension. It's a ministry of Lifeway Kids. And so we are thrilled to serve you uh, both with 
information and instruction and training, which you can find at kidsministry101.com. Find our blog and more episodes of the podcast and a free magazine that you can subscribe to, as well as some free training resources. There are videos you can download about how kids learn at different age levels with the levels of biblical learning. You can learn about Bible skills for kids. There are gospel presentation resources there, all at kidsministry101.com. And so we invite you to go check out that website and find resources that we can uh, equip you with so that you can serve well. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.